Make Jeremiah Johnson welcome, would you please? Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Hallelujah. Well, so it's good to be in Tennessee. Amen. I think this is my fifth or sixth time just in 2022 in Tennessee. This was one of the states that God highlighted to me at the end of 2021 that he was assigning me to. So I just kind of waited on him, and as we get different invitations, I just asked the Lord, where do you want me to go? And this was one of them. So some went and some were sent. I started traveling early on, and I made mistakes where you just went, and there's no grace there. You'll, you'll wear yourself out. And so I feel the grace of Lord Jesus here. I want to thank my wife, Morgan. The kiddos are here uh, with me. They don't rarely get to travel, so let's welcome them. And then I did just want to honor pastors. Thank you for taking a chance, taking a dive for me. Pray that uh, tonight we'll jump high and go deep and uh, really sensing God's heart for this house, for this region. I'm going to share a message tonight called Navigating Transitions. And thank you. To be honest with you, God dropped this in my spirit about six months ago, and I have been sitting on it waiting for tonight. How many of you like a well done steak? I know in the prophetic, sometimes you get excited and you fire off words that you don't even apply to your life. And social media helps that. Provides a space and a place where people are just talking. Oh boy, here we go. So this is going to be one of those amen ouch words. Just want to go ahead and, and throw that out there. Uh, this is not kind of, you know, dessert and lollipops and rot your te teeth out kind of prophetic. Uh, this is the deeper things of the Holy Spirit. This is for those who want to be a shining star, not a shooting star. I hope that we can all serve the Lord faithfully for decades. Don't just want to be a flash in the pan. Don't want to just, you know, have a good season and then just coast on the anointing the rest of my life. So I hope that you would share the similar heart and desire. So I felt like the Lord wants to unlock some of the mysteries of his kingdom tonight to us. I'm not here as a expert on transition in any way. If you have watched my journey, and oftentimes it's been public, I've tried the best that I can to follow uh, the will and the heart of God. There have been decisions that I've made that have affected a lot of people as the Lord has given me notoriety. Um, I don't request that you even agree 
with anything or everything that I say tonight. Just ask you to weigh it and judge it and test it and apply it to your own journey and your own life. And just ask the Holy Spirit. There's going to be a lot of nuggets tonight, a lot of keys, a lot of things that will fit, a lot of things that won't. But just wanted to throw that out there and um, we'll go from there. Sound good? Just a three-minute flyby. Um, I was born dead. The cord was wrapped around my neck. My mom had a dream when I was in her womb to name me Jeremiah. Uh, there was a prophet that had came in town. My father pastored a church in Indianapolis, Indiana area for some time. And I had a, this prophetic word over my life. And um, the birth almost took out my mom and I. And so probably around seven years old for me personally, the prophetic uh, became activated. Uh, what I mean by that is I started dreaming every night. Uh, I would tell my dad people and places that I would see. We would see those people. I'd give him the description. And uh, I'm just grateful for parents who made me feel like the supernatural was normal. Some of the main material that I do is regarding raising prophetic children because oftentimes I believe we squash the gifting by making them feel weird or not allowing them. I literally remember uh, my dad shaving in his whitey tidies at uh, about 6 a.m. on Sundays. I'd wander in and uh, rather than rush off to church, he would ask me, tell me about the dream that you had last night. And just feeling like he had time, feeling like he was interested, feeling like he believed the encounters that I would having, uh, was having built a very strong foundation in me. I tell people I never met a religious spirit until I went to Bible college. just felt like if you said you believed in tongues, that meant you spoke in tongues. You said you believed in miracles, you saw miracles, or you operated in them. And so just having this kind of upbringing, the Lord also kept me. His grace kept me as a young person. My wife was my first girlfriend. One of the revelations that the Lord gave me was to sin is not the gaining of pleasure, but the loss of it. To sin is not the gaining of pleasure, it's actually the loss of it. So that revelation and that key kept me from sex and drugs and alcohol and just all sorts of different things. People hear my testimony and sometimes attribute it to some kind of religious holier-than-thou but it was really this place of encounter and some keys that God gave me regarding sin and our new creation identity, who we really are in Him, that as I was in high school and college, I didn't feel oftentimes that tear that people have having one foot in the world and one foot in the church. And so just wanna thank God for His grace and His mercy and, and keeping me and, and our marriage and our kids and 
we're very much, uh, my daughter Bella, who's on the front row, she's 10 years old. She just gave her first prophecy from the platform last week. And uh, we're just, we're, we're raising them up in the things of the Holy Spirit and just trying to... And again, I hope, I hope this is not coming off as boasting. I hope that you hear my heart. I just love Jesus. I, I love his ways. We all have a story. We all have a testimony. And so I hope that's just a little, a little bit of me. I want to share tonight on navigating transitions. I appreciated uh, during the worship that I think they said three times we're about to transition. You know, when somebody says, are you in transition? To me, I'm like, do you follow the Holy Spirit? Because if we're going from faith to faith and glory to glory, I don't see how life is not just one big transition. We're just on this incredible adventure. I truly believe that as believers, oftentimes we lack joy in our lives because we're not willing to trust Holy Spirit when he says talk or when he says do. I believe that the born again experience should be the most exciting and terrifying journey of your life. So as we talk about transition tonight, navigating transition, I'm just going to believe that you just went through one, you are in one, or you're going to go through one. There's a lot of talk in prophetic circles, which I'm certainly am in and in a byproduct. A lot of times when we teach prophecy, we tell people that all true prophecy has to confirm something to you. I just want to tell you that for my journey, every prophetic word real word that I've ever gotten did not confirm anything to me. It actually came out of left field. I'm really serious. I I get the heart behind teaching that prophecy should confirm, but the assumption there is that you're in tune with the Holy Spirit. If I teach that all prophecy has to confirm what you already have in your spirit, I'm assuming what you have in your spirit is the will of God. And I'm just going to confess to you in my journey, I thought I was in the will of God and I wasn't. I thought I was trying to pursue his heart and somebody came along and threw me something that God had on his heart for me And it totally required a tremendous transition, a shift in my own life, an adventure that has come our way. And so just wanted to throw that out there for a preface. If you have in your Bibles, would you turn to Deuteronomy chapter 11? I want to look tonight at three transitions, big transitions in the scriptures And again, just share a little bit of my perspective. I'm praying that some of these transitions that we'll look at tonight might have mysteries and keys and breakthroughs and revelations and maybe some paradigm shifts, the way that we think about God. And then we'll have 
uh, some ministry time. The first transition I want to look at tonight is Israel's transition from Egypt to Canaan. Israel's transition from Egypt to Canaan. The Bible college that my wife and I attended, Dr. Mark Rutland was the president, and he had a belief that no one should graduate with a Bible degree who did not go to Israel and study. And so my wife and I were blessed to be on the pioneering trip of his dream where we went to Israel and studied for a semester together. And then I went nine times after that. So going to Israel 10 times, I fell in love with it. We named our son Israel David. Um, I was delivered by a Jewish doctor who came back from Israel and delivered me dead and revived me. God said to me, I sowed Israel into your destiny at birth. But as we began to go over there and I began to, I read a book called um, Reading Jesus Through Middle Eastern Eyes. Help me to understand how much our thinking in the West, when we read our Bibles, we totally miss what Jesus was saying most of the time. So it began to shift my paradigm and my understanding. But one of the things that I realized going over there and, and studying is that the term promise land is not in the Bible. Most of us have grown up our entire lives just inserting promised land to refer to the land of Canaan. And we trace it back to when Moses shows up before Pharaoh. He's had an encounter at the burning bush. God puts him and Aaron up to telling Pharaoh, let my people go. There's a word that comes forth. There's a land flowing with milk and honey. So there's a major prophecy that's given over the nation of Israel concerning freedom from bondage. Who likes freedom from bondage? Okay, so they get this word and then we watch them journey into the wilderness. Should have taken them 40 days. It takes 40 years till they finally get to Canaan. But in Deuteronomy chapter 11, I want to begin reading in verse 10. Deuteronomy 11:10. For the land into which you are entering to possess it is not like the land of Egypt from which you came, where you used to sow your seed and water it from your foot like a vegetable garden. But the land in which you are about to cross to possess it a land of hills and valleys drinks water from the rain of heaven, a land from which the Lord your God cares. The eyes of the Lord your God are always on it from the beginning even to the end of the year. And it shall come about if, say if, if you listen obediently to my commandments which I am commanding you today, to love the Lord your God and to serve Him with all your heart and all your soul, then, can you say then? Amen. So there's an if and a then. Then He will give the rain for your land in its season, 
the early and late rain that you may gather in your grain and your new wine and your oil. And he will give grass in your fields for your cattle and you shall eat and be satisfied. Beware lest your hearts be deceived and you turn away and serve other gods and worship them. Again, we're talking about Israel's transition out of Egypt, out of bondage, out of slavery, into the land that God had prophesied to them. But all of a sudden, what we realize according to Scripture is that the land of Egypt was actually more fertile. It looked better than the land that God was calling them to. See, traveling in prophetic circles, I I say people want tickle-me-elmo words. When you show up at a prophetic gathering, people are wanting a new car, a new house, an upgrade, the, the breaker. I mean, just kind of look, look on the internet. I mean, it's just kind of type amen and you got it. It's like microwavable prophecy. And so when you talk about better, when you talk about the promise, people are assuming whatever's coming is going to look better than where I'm at now. And I I want to, everything I'm going to say tonight is biblical. And it sounds radical because we don't preach the Bible anymore. We we preach an American propheticism, instant gratification, And when the word of the Lord, his ways and his precepts, his timing come to confront us, oftentimes we run to the next, what do they say, pathetic? Just just to scratch the itch. So again, I I, I want you to track with me. I know I grew up in Sunday school. I pictured the promised land as like Disney World. I pictured Egypt as a desert wasteland. It's horrible. It's miserable. And then I'm thinking, okay, Canaan, Disneyland. And all of a sudden, I'm taking all these trips to Israel over the years. I'm, become, I'm, be, I'm beginning to be indoctrinated with the Bible. And I'm like, I have this totally backwards. I need a major upgrade in my thinking concerning prophecy and the promises of God. The the promise is directly tied to obedience. And it shall come about, 13, if you listen obediently to my commandments which I'm commanding you today to love the Lord your God with all your mind, heart, and soul. So Canaan is a promised land so long as they obey God. What could God want to transition you or this house into that might not look like what you're hoping for? Lord, I, I, I want to, if there's, there's some mindsets, and, and again, I know we, we get full. 
We, we get full of the mega and the more and the this and the feeding of the flesh and the selfish ambitions and the desires and the me, me, me and the Baal worship. And then when we start prophesying by the Spirit of the Lord, we begin to realize He's more concerned with my character than how I feel. He's he's more after conforming me to the image and likeness of His Son than giving me what I want when I want. This is not a father just handing out lollipops to petulant kids because they demand it, they dance harder, shout more. This is a loving father who has seen the end from the beginning and he's going to be radically committed to our heart postures, to building character and integrity inside of us. I'm just going to confess to you right out of the gate, when I began to understand the ways of God more, I went from showing up at the prophetic meeting in neon bright in the front row, hoping for a prophetic word. That what used to be me. I did, you know, dress in bright colors. The prophet can't miss me. When I started understanding the ways of God, I went from that guy to hiding in the back because I realized the higher the calling, the deeper the cutting. The moment they start prophesying these huge words, I'd be like, oh God, because I knew there was a huge process connected to the promise. See, everybody goes to the wilderness, but not everybody makes it out. We're, we're, all, we're all on a journey transitioning into who the Lord has called us to be. Let me just, I could literally talk for hours tonight about this, but let me just give you the next step. So watch though, Israel transitions Okay, into Canaan, but go back a transition before. Okay, remember Joseph. God had set him up in Egypt, I believe, sent him ahead of time because he knew that a famine was coming. So Jacob and his sons, right, they come and he becomes Israel and they begin to rest in the land of Egypt. But if you don't recognize when the Lord says transition, the place that was once salvation becomes the place of bondage. There was a time of famine that came in the land and all of the inhabitants gathered into what we know is Egypt for sustenance. But clearly, Israel stayed there too long and didn't. So what am I saying? I'm saying even some of you transitioned five years ago into what the Lord called you to. But if you're not careful to transition again, what was once a place of safety and security for you will turn into a place of bondage. How could the same place 
that would once watered your soul become like a religious spirit that choked the life out of you. And I could, I could carry, you know, we just went back. I could take it a step forward, but it's just very important that we're listening and that we're in tune. Holy Spirit, what are you saying? Ecclesiastes, a time to plan, a time to uproot. Lord, what are you saying for me and my family? It's just so important even when we gather. You know, transition is such a mystery. Felt like I should just mention, you know, Jonah. Isn't it interesting? Sometimes you're, you're in something corporately, and the reason why there's warfare has nothing to do with you. It's because a family or a person is in the church who is, who is denying and running from the call of God on their life. And the only way the warfare is going to stop is unless they get off the ship. Because when you, we've, we've been in church life. When you feel that warfare, you always want to go internally. Lord, search me and know me. Is there sin in my life? Then you want to have accountability on the leadership. But if you've searched internally, if you've searched within the team, there could be an option there of, Lord, we need to pray out of here whoever is not supposed to be here. Is this helping anybody? I know this is sort of like a... Psalm 1, just real quickly, Psalm 1. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. So I, I love this scripture, okay? It's like, man, this is a holy dude. He doesn't sit with them. He doesn't run with them. He doesn't walk with them. I mean, this guy is a blessed guy. He's totally consecrated himself to the Lord. You meet a lot of people in the church. They're radical. They're consecrated. They've separated themselves. And, you know, you get the prophecies. Because of your separation and because of your consecration, God's called you to the nations because everybody's called to the nations and he's going to open up doors because every, I'm just kidding, just playing with you. Tough crowd tonight. But I mean, I'm reading Psalm 1 thinking, yeah, like the blessing of God, there must be something amazing. And here, I used to read it, verse 3, and he will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, its leaf does not wither, and whatever he does prospers. So again, in my mind, I'm picturing a tree that's like the most lavish tree in a forest filled with fruit because it's blessed of the Lord. I go to Israel and the tour guide says, yeah, you know Psalm 1, when it says the tree that's blessed is planted by streams of water? That's the Hebrew word wadi. He said, let me show you what that looks like. So I sent the media team a picture, maybe if, if they could pop it up. 
here's the tree that Psalm 1 is talking about. I don't think anybody's going to respond to this altar call. (laughs) This is literally the tree that David is writing about here. This person's blessed. They don't hang out with sinners. They've separated themselves from the Lord. They're going to be like this tree. Were we able to get any of the other pictures or we just got this one? Okay, there's a close-up. Let's see if there's another one. When I'm in Israel, I'm like, God, no way. No, there's got to be a catch, a mistake. Are you saying, I want you to hear me. This is what the Lord began to speak to me. He said, Jeremiah, it's okay to pray for that which falls but I'm going to bring you into a season where you pray less for what falls and you begin to get connected to what flows underneath. You know why that tree's green? Because its roots are so deep in the ground. So it's so connected. We're so connected to the word and the spirit. Again, pray for the rain. I'm not bashing it. Do it. But I do believe that there's an upgrade and there's a paradigm shift. This tree's blessed. You're blessed when people revile you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you for his name's sake. You're blessed. You're blessed when you say no. You're blessed when you do it God's way and not the world's way. But I know for me on my journey, when I began to hear people talk about the blessing of God, I needed this in my mind along with all whatever material possessions they kept prophesying to me was mine because of my stance for righteousness. I'm actually at a point in my life where I'd rather have this than anything materially. I'd rather be connected to that which flows rather than being addicted to conferences, having to be dry for what falls. Hallelujah. We're going to have an altar call now. Just kidding. You know, it's so funny. I, I did a, a prophetic gatherings with my spiritual father out in Denver, Colorado, five years ago. There was about a thousand people that were registered. It was a paid conference. And on the opening night, we did fire tunnels and activations and personal prophecy. It was, it was packed out. And then after the meeting, we announced the following morning, we're going to be talking about holiness and character. It cut the attendance in half. Then that night we announced more of the laying on of hands and, you know, going after the glory and talking about angels. And we had 1,200. I mean, standing room only. Then again, the following morning, we're going to be getting into the dark night of the soul. We're going to be talking about character transformation. We had 200. This wasn't like a one-off 
experience, I, I notice a, a very troubling trend in the prophetic movement in America that we're just so into hype and sensationalism and you're next and, and whatever we think God owes us. We, we see men and women, you know, gifted, gifted by the Lord, you know, touching little children. You know, we, we, we exalt the, these, you know, addresses and social security numbers and, and miracles and, and they're having an affair with, with the secretary. You know, and again, and, and it stings. I was like, oh, brother. You know, you're being a little religious. You know, again, the words of Jesus in Matthew 7, you can do all that. It's like the one thing they're talking about in heaven. You know, there are 24 elders and four living creatures around the throne. They're not flying around saying grace, grace, grace. And again, I, I don't even, I'm not going to preach you into it. You know what I'm saying? A lot like uh, we, we want to preach people and rile people up into the revelation. Well, I believe the church is coming into days where the Lord is saying to many, stop sharing your oil. Tell people to go get their own. To, pe- people are going to have to be able, this guy's going like this back there. I used to preach out in the West. It was the most awkward thing ever. These people would show up with T-shirts. It says, I've been spanked by Jeremiah Johnson. Dude, what in the world? But again, do you feel it? It's just like when, when you begin to teach good Bible and the ways of God and the principles of God and the meat of His Word, people that are eating cotton candy... It's like we have no appetite for the things that are going to guarantee our entrance into heaven. And I prophesied, I worked miracles, I stirred up people. No, I have the character of Christ. Like I'm approachable. I'm not a celebrity. Touch not the Lord's anointed. That, that's become code word for, I am unaccountable. I can do whatever I want, whenever I want. Just, that's not. The, the Lord is trying to transition. I, I believe we're, we're in a global garden of Gethsemane. I believe that there's revival coming. I believe there's resurrection coming, but God's people are in the garden and there's this wrestle, this crushing, this pressing for not my will, but yours be done. Lord, if you want to raise me up like a tree planted by streams of living water, Lord, if if you want no one to lay hands on me, but you, I'm grateful. All right, let's talk about the second transition. David's transition from anointed to appointed. 
1 Samuel 16. I want to talk about David's transition from anointed to appointed. Maybe we should stop there. Do we know that there's a difference between the anointing and the appointing? Just because someone is anointed doesn't mean they've been appointed. A large Facebook following does not equal the appointing. I've done so many schools of ministry and worked with so many individuals and it's like, it's the thought process. Like, I can preach better than them. You know, they come to me and we bring in famous people. You know, these young people, I mean, they're firebrands. They're like, bro, I can preach better than him. I can prophesy. I can, and, and the, the, the point is, God doesn't care about that. You, you don't get appointed because you can do it better than them. You get appointed because God sees a spirit of humility and repentance and passing the character tests. And half the time, the people that you see with the platform, they won't have it in a year. We're, we're just, if you notice in the body of Christ, we're just recycling people through the ringer of the notoriety and the performance. And again, we see gifting and we see calling. So we have here in 1 Samuel 16, many of us know the story. Samuel goes to Bethlehem to find the next king of Israel. Obviously, we know that it's David. So it says in verse 13, 1 Samuel 16, 13, then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him, being David, in the midst of his brothers, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. And Samuel arose and went to Ramah. Now the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord terrorized him. It's important to understand timing here. David is anointed king of Israel. He is not appointed king of Israel until how many years? Fourteen. Scholars argue between thirteen to fifteen. There's a gap between the anointing. Again, in America, it's like you stand somebody up, give them a prophecy, you've got great destiny. They get mad the next day when it doesn't manifest. You're literally talking about a 14-year gap between the time of a release, you fell down on the carpet, God met you in your room. And again, it's like, what about them? Stop worrying about them and get focused on your race. The Lord raises up men and women of God and allows us to view their journey not so that we can mimic and parrot them, but so that we can go back to the secret place and get our own. We don't want to do that, so we begin to look like a cult. Everybody is looking and acting and talking and dressing like the man of God. 
There's no more originality, creativity, innovation, so they go to the LGBTQ. And I'm not going to get off on that, but... Folks, pray. And I... I I mean, I could name them because they're, they're friends. I walk with them. I do conferences with these people. I'm like the youngest person in the lineup by 30 years. You don't think there's like this pressure to say it like them, do it like them, shout it like them, prophesy. No, the most anointed you is you. But... But, but these, I don't know, people call them generals or whatever, but these generals of the charismatic movement, they start preaching a certain way and everybody starts preaching a certain way. They start giving off a revelation and then the next six months, everybody's preaching the same exact thing. No, they struck oil to challenge you to strike oil. We've got to rip the feeding tube out of the pulpit. And praise the Lord, we honor men and women of God, but we don't worship them. That's what God used COVID to expose. No more celebrity Christianity. That He, what am I saying? I believe He has transitioned the body of Christ into a new era. We're the most diverse, the most authentic, the most original, the most creative, the most one-of-a-kind generation is going to emerge. And He's going to raise up mothers and fathers who are comfortable in their own skin where we learned how to commission, not compete. Saul, Saul was not a father. He was an orphan. When he heard the cries, Saul has slain his thousands, but David his tens of thousands, a father would have heard that and rejoiced. But an orphan leader sees the next generation as competition. So, so the, the timing between the anointing and the appointing, there are people in this room, you have destiny, you have prophetic words, you have promises of God, you have been anointed by Him. But just because we're anointed doesn't mean we're appointed. I, I say it like this, I'm like, the prophet must have missed it. Like he left out. It's like it's all good stuff. It's the same thing with Israel's transition. A land flowing with milk and honey. Well, praise the Lord, so the offering. David gets the word from the big, big, big prophet in town. I'm anointing you. He's ready to cash in. All of a sudden, he begins to realize the seminary of Saul. Well, I've been church hurt. Welcome to the club. 
Do you, do you know why you served Saul? So that you would never do it to anyone else. No, you got to hear me. You, 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 there, there, it was not wasting time in that religious church or serving that manipulating, controlling leader. The truth is, you had to be wounded and hurt as a younger person so that God could raise you up as a father and a mother rather than strike people, you will now cover them. There's, there's purpose in your pain. Some of us, we look at, we look at seasons in, in our life and we're like, what was that? What was, anybody else? Or you guys are holy rollers. Like, what was that? Lord, that hurt. Lord, I thought I heard you. And Lord, I, I thought that they were the man of the hour. What do they call it? The man of power or whatever. You're like, man, that hurt. David, he, he spends years running from Saul. You can go to Israel and go to En Gedi. You can literally go to the caves where Saul and his army would have surrounded David chasing him. When the spirit of jealousy consumes leaders, they spend more time chasing after the next generation than they do fighting the real enemies of God. Saul was so jealous of David, rather than fighting the Philistines, he fights the one God had anointed. I want to be a person that recognizes the anointing on someone. I want to, I want to, rec I want to be someone who's okay with, I don't, I remember pastoring and the Lord's like, you don't have the anointing today. And I'm like, wow, I prayed this week. I, I studied, I fasted and I had a decision to get mad and upset or say, Lord, who has it? I'd walk down then give it to Bill, the landscape owner, your turn. And the Spirit of the Lord would come upon him. So I, I want to be in a community of believers who recognizes times and seasons and transitions. I want to be in a community of believers where when someone is, is raw and real and God is dealing with them, we cover them rather than expel them and expose them. We, 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 what do I feel like the Lord is saying? We need to create safe places in Christianity for people to transition into what God has called them to do and be. And I believe this is only possible when we stop building our empires and start building God's kingdom. Surely there are enough lost people in the world that the church can stop 
fighting with one another about who's most anointed, who has most campuses, most services, biggest... Oh, where, where are the sons and daughters that you've raised up that don't feel like they have to look like, act like, and talk like you? So David spends all these years running from Saul. And again, I want to point out to you so that when he gets appointed as king, he knows where the enemy is hiding because he spent time hiding in those very caves. Oh, there was purpose in the seminary of Saul. All the running, all the... Let me, let me throw you something else and we'll move on. Oh my gosh. So he gets the prophecy in 1 Samuel, king over Israel. You guys remember when Saul goes to the cave and has to relieve himself? And David is in the cave. Think about this. He has the prophecy. King over Israel. He has every right to make good on the prophecy and cut his throat. But he passes. I'm going to just throw this out there. What if the prophecy you have received is not meant to come to pass? What if its purpose is to test your heart? Yeah, okay. Guys. And again, I believe in contending and warring and let it come to pass, but I believe that there are some words that you and I, some things, it was never intended to be fulfilled. It was just simply an instrument that God was going to use to challenge and shape and mold you and give you every opportunity to self-promote, to take your destiny. What, what did David prove? He cared more about the honor of God than taking his own destiny into his hands. I pray that we could have that kind of humility, that we could let destiny pass us by. What a wild, wild journey David was on. Sometimes we get the prophecy, but we don't get the process. The prophecy releases the process. The greater the prophecy, the deeper the process. When I get a word from God, I immediately take it to the place of prayer. True prophecy gives us a prayer agenda. When I get a word, I immediately go into the place of prayer and ask, Lord, what needs to change in my speech? What needs to change in my lifestyle? What do I need to do in order to position myself to inherit what you've promised? I can prophesy over this brother, you're going to be the next great Billy Graham. 
And as long as he keeps playing video games 12 hours a day and eating potato chips, that word is never going to come to pass. I I believe, again, because it's not what sells or it's not what gets people excited. We just want to prophesy to people, but we don't want to teach on the process to see the prophecy fulfilled, which oftentimes takes so much longer than we realize. We inherit what's been promised through amen on Facebook. No, through faith and patience. Are you willing to wait? Are you willing to wait on Isaac or do you have to have your Ishmael? See, again, just crazy Bible stuff. God blessed Ishmael. Well, brother, I'm blessed. I didn't ask if you were blessed. Here's what I know about God. He will bless what he will not inhabit. I got the blessing of God. I've got his presence. Awesome. Ishmael had his blessing, but only Isaac got the covenant. And there's no covenant without cutting. I felt like the Lord said over this house, this this phrase, I will bless what I will not inhabit but I only send glory to that which I can fill. The glory was there. No, it wasn't. You're still cussing out your wife. The glory was there. No, it wasn't. You're still staring at the computer screen. This is what's happening. Either people are just tasting the presence of God which is his blessing, which gives us the goosebumps, or they're just having an emotional, hyped-up encounter. When you're in the real glory of God, it brings character transformation. It touches you from the inside out. When you're in the glory, it affects your lifestyle, your mouth. Somebody might say, well, brother, what's, what's your heart behind this? My heart behind this is I long to see a generation pregnant with the promises of God, willing to go through a process so that they can be found faithful for decades and pass it down generationally. Lord, I, I want to win the private battles. I want to stop talking about Goliath 
if I'm not willing to fight the lion and the bear. I want to stop laying hands on people, giving them this, this idol of ministry. And again, never realizing the very spotlight you crave is the very spotlight that's going to expose you. How, how ministry becomes a mistress. The, the seduction of, of fame and influence and I just, I honestly wish we, we could wipe it all away and just, just teach people revival looks like you loving your spouse well. Re- revival, revival looks like you doing Bible study at your dining room table with your kids. It's, it's like... I call it like stop doing the twisted Hannah syndrome. Like in the American church, like parents just drop their kids off. They don't want to disciple. And so when the kid hits 18 and, and forsakes God, we blame the youth pastor. We've got to take responsibility. No one's going to disciple my kids but me. I know it just gets quiet though. Because now, now we're, we're talking about the Bible. And if we'll do it His way, He'll give us His results. I just lay back and dream some nights and I'm like, Lord, as much as you've poured out yourself to the American church in our own way, how much more would you do it if we did it your way? What if we trust God, but God trusts few people? Where are the miracles? Maybe He doesn't trust us. What do you mean? Maybe he knows that whoever they come from will start worshiping them instead of him. I'm just not sure with YouTube and Facebook and Instagram and these kinds of things that if the miracles and revival that really came that we long for manifested, we would not turn them into a golden calf. So God holds back the real glory He longs to send looking for a people that would say, God, not my will, but yours be done. I feel like the Lord wanted me to proclaim. It's not a rebuke, it's an encouragement. I feel like the Lord wanted me to say over this house and over your lives, my ways are not your ways. And my thoughts are not your thoughts. But I heard the Lord say, your timing is not my timing. Your perspective is not my perspective. Lord, thank you that you love us enough 
not to leave us the way that you found us. Can you imagine how this would change the trajectory of the prophetic movement? We would go from sanctified psychic reading to real prophecy. What's the difference between witches and psychics and the real prophetic? Witches and psychics read your heart back to you. The real prophetic reads God's heart back to you. But there's a, there's a spirit, John Paul Jackson, he called it white witchcraft. There's a spirit of white witchcraft in the church where people show up at meetings wanting confirmed what they want to do. So people bring that spirit into a meeting and then the prophet picks up on it. And if they're not careful, they'll prophet. And I've seen it a million times. Somebody comes to a meeting wanting to move to California for unholy reasons. The prophet walks up and discerns and gives it like a word of knowledge. The Lord says you're called to move to California. That's not God's heart. That's their desire. The person moves to California, ends up in turmoil, hates God, turns on the prophet, failing to realize, one, we've got a problem with platform prophets that we need to address, but there's a spirit in people coming to prophetic gatherings that's unholy. When we gather as a prophetic community, we check our agenda at the door. Lord, and, and whatever, I'm, I'm desiring, I'm hoping, this is what I've longed to see, but if you've got something different for me, I'm trusting that you love me enough to correct me. And then let's get some prophets who are not doing it for money, shall we? Oh, if you only knew what I knew. Let's just take the pressure off of wanting this and wanting that and just saying, Lord, come and share your hearts with us tonight. Share, share your heart. I don't even know what that was for, but bless you. Last thing. Last point. So we've talked about Israel's transition from Egypt to Canaan, Deuteronomy 11, David's transition from anointed to appointed, 1 Kings, or excuse me, 1 Samuel 16. And then lastly, again, I wanted to give you something in the New Testament real quick. Saul's transition to Paul. Saul's transition to Paul. Galatians chapter 1. There is a very clear, in my understanding, in the New Testament, there is a three-part step. I just want you to write it down. Calling, consecration, and commissioning. Calling, consecration, commissioning. 
The problem in the church is we think because we're called, we've been commissioned. We skip out on the consecration process, again, because we can use carnal methods of marketing strategies, of growing online followings, rubbing elbows with people in a green room, putting apostle in front of our business card. I mean, in America, we've got this stuff down pat. We're so fake, we fake ourselves out. Again, I don't doubt the anointing, but have you been appointed? I don't doubt the call, but have you consecrated yourself and prepared yourself for the work that God has called you to? I was reading a book recently by a man who had a burden to prepare people for ministry. I was so grateful for one chapter don't marry the wrong spouse. They don't even talk about this anymore. We, we don't even prepare young women or, or young men for the call for, for whatever the ministry looks like. And so people just get thrown in to these situations and these circumstances that are just, I'm like, Lord, raise up fathers and mothers who love you enough to tell you the truth rather than keep patting you on the back, setting you up for an epic fall. Do you know in Bible college and seminary, Literally two in 10 end up in full-time ministry after five years. If we raised up fathers and mothers in Bible colleges and seminaries, we would love the eight enough to tell them, please don't go in debt $60,000 mad at God when you don't get a microphone. I love you enough to tell you, Pulpit ministry ain't all that. There's preaching and then pastoring. There's itinerant ministry, which is way easier than actually faithfully shepherding the people of God. Again, it's okay. Praise God for marketplace leaders. This is what I believe we are in a, we have transitioned in a whole new era in the body where this is no longer becoming an idol. We are empowering marketplace leaders in the seven spheres of influence, helping them to realize you are loved, you are valued, you have worth, go get them in your sphere and stop feeling second class because you don't wear a bomber jacket and Air Jordans and know a lot about the Bible. Who cares? We release you from wearing Saul's armor. Okay, so real quickly, did you get it? Calling, consecration, and commissioning. Paul, or formerly Saul, 
gets knocked off his horse on the road to Damascus. And most people believe he gets his sight back and writes the New Testament. Wrong. Galatians chapter 1 will tell you Paul goes to the desert of Arabia for three years, and in Galatians 2, he doesn't go back to Jerusalem for 14 years. What is he doing? He says, I'm getting revelation not from man, but from God. I've got a prophecy for you. I believe that you're about to witness the emergence of legitimate voices in the earth coming from Arabia. They don't have the pomp. They don't understand the politics. They don't have the connections. They don't have the pedigree. But what they do have is an authentic process and character that will back up every word they say. I'm I'm just excited. I don't know, I feel like doing this. I'm just like as tired of the show as anybody else. You're, you're walking in green rooms. And I tell people, because I got thrust into this, I, I met all my heroes that I followed for years and wept for a year. Like I, I was so close from walking away from ministry when I began to realize the guy anointed on the platform is the most rudest person to a waitress I've ever seen. This mighty man of God is the most unapproachable, kiss the ring, carry my Bible. Again, if you follow my journey, I believe in honor. I do not believe in worship. We worship Jesus. We give Him the glory. Paul and Saul, Saul to Paul, goes through this consecration period, this process of being developed into the man that God has called him to be. I want to exhort this community of believers. I want to exhort every person that's here tonight with a very familiar passage of Scripture, Jeremiah 29.11. Do you know it? Do you know the context of it? It's where we got ripped off again. This whole behold, I know the plans I have for you. It comes in the context of 70 years of Babylonian captivity. This is not God getting you out. This is God giving you a promise and saying you'll be okay. Again, I really want to make sure you're hearing me. 
I am not in any way saying don't go after breakthrough, deliverance, gifts of faith, you know, slam, knock them, whatever. I'm all about it. But what I am saying is, is God still good when you didn't get your miracle tonight? Is God good when you get your second prophecy of the wife to come and you're still waiting 10? Is God still good? Thank you, Lord. I want to be found faithful. My favorite song, Justin Rizzo, talks about he wants to be like a tree planted by streams of water. He just, Lord, I want to be a faithful man. I want to be faithful to my wife. I want to be faithful to my kids. I want to be faithful to Jesus and whatever somebody else says about me, whatever. I'm willing, I'm able, I'm available. Would you just bow your heads with me? I woke up this morning with this phrase in my spirit, new wineskins. And I feel specifically that I'm supposed to prophesy over this house and over Aaron and Amanda, new wineskins. And I hear the Spirit of the Lord saying, I'm not only restoring hope to this house and in this region, but I am restoring the pure prophetic. Lord says, I'm driving out the vagabond spirit. For there's been much unaccountability. There's been a lack of community in the prophetic, even in Tennessee, that God is transitioning prophets from caves to dining room tables. Lord says, I'm going to raise this house up to break the power of shame off a generation. Lord says, there's an anointing in this house to bring out those who are hiding in caves of shame and guilt and condemnation. Those caught in addiction, you're going to call forth and speak identity and love over them. Lord says that this house will not only carry the breaker, but will carry a protective hedge. Yes, you'll break through, but you'll protect those who need time to heal and find themselves again. The Lord says, I'll use this house to sing the songs 
back to people who have forgotten their song. I speak over weariness tonight. I speak over discouragement tonight. I speak over those who feel like they're in a maze, wandering around. You're not wandering. You're just wondering. For the Lord would say, there's a difference between questioning me and asking me questions. I give you permission to ask me questions, but you violate me when you question me. I'm moving you beyond your why tonight. I'm addressing the victim. I'm loving on the orphan. I'm taking victims and I'm turning them into victors. I'm taking those wounded by the spear of Saul and I'm raising them up as a Davidic company in the earth. you have a prayer language just begin to pray in the Holy Spirit just going to create a chamber of encounter here tonight we're stirring ourselves up in our most holy faith we don't need an interpretation it's not a message in tongues it's our prayer language we're stirring ourselves up saying yes Holy Spirit would you reveal I hear the Lord saying, I can't heal what you conceal. Give me the hurt, the pain, the disillusionment. Some of you here, you don't even know what to believe anymore about the promises of God. Hear the Lord saying, I'm dealing with the spirit of Absalom. I feel like the Lord is talking to some people in here. Don't let it be you. Don't go after the appearance. Don't go after positioning yourself because you think you're ready. Just hear the Lord pronouncing over a generation, my gifts in you will make room for you. Lord, I pray that you would keep us from self-promotion. Lord, I pray that you would keep us from knocking doors down that you never opened. Lord, I pray that you would deal with jealousy and strife, competition. 
feel like the Lord wants to release a spirit of repentance here. Cleaning hearts. Search me and know me, O God. Lord, if we've made ministry an idol, forgive us. If we've made growing popular the goal, God, forgive us. Jesus. The Lord is healing people tonight of wounded hearts. The Lord is healing ministry burnout. The Lord is saying to someone, because it was easy, because it came natural, I see someone sitting behind a desk or a booth. Hear the Lord saying, I didn't transition you out so you could sit back. I transitioned you out to set you up. I feel a heavy shepherding anointing here. Lord, we call forth the shepherds of your flock who will feed your sheep on knowledge and understanding. Lord, let new wineskins come forth. Lord, let team ministry come forth. Lord, let a new era come forth in the earth. Hear the Lord saying, my citywide church is coming again. Lord, I pray for holy alliances in this region. Lord, I pray for divine connections. Lord, I pray that the kings and priests of Tennessee would model kingdom to a nation. Just hear the Lord saying that the church and the marketplace are going to model something in the state to a nation. The Lord says even in economic turmoil, even in coming days of shaking, the Lord says, I'll strengthen Tennessee and prosper those who will follow me. I see this state blooming. I see this state prospering. I see this state being a safe place. I see people moving here from all over the United States. I see fires burning.
house fires. I, I see some kind of major corporation or even corporations beginning to relocate to this state. I'm like, Lord, do it in North Carolina, please. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Just keep praying. I want to encourage you guys just to stay locked in. Help me to find my way, God. Help me to lose my need to be right. Lord, I choose relationship over my pride. Lord, I want to be known as someone that quickly says I missed it. Lord, I want to redirect all people back to you. Lord, I pray that you would set the harvest fields on fire here. Lord, I pray for a fresh missions movement to erupt. I see the Moravian lampstand. Just hear the Lord saying where there's been a prayer movement and then a missions movement. I'm going to marry them in the earth. Lord, we thank you for unanswered prayer. Lord, I thank you for all the prayers I prayed. You said pass. Thank you, Lord. Come on now. Lord, your ways are not our ways. Your thoughts are not our thoughts. Lord, I pray for divine perspective. You were rejected right into the will of God. You were humbled in order to be redirected. You thought you were running away, and really you ran straight into the arms of God. I, I, this is strange, but I feel like a, I feel like I'm hearing the word pow. I just see a pow over this house. I see people coming into this house and encountering like a knockout punch. And what I mean by that is I see this house mantled to bring order, to set people straight. I see something coming on this house that proclaims the blessing of God if you do and the warning of God if you don't. 
I hear the Lord saying, I'm releasing this house in a greater measure than ever before to never shy away from the full counsel. The Lord says where you've tried to correct, where you've tried to discipline and some have ran away, some have gone and done their other thing, have become a thorn in your side, the Spirit of the Lord says that I will yet again release a fresh crop in this house. I believe the Lord has a healing anointing for those who have been hurt by a Saul, by a leader, by the church. There's healing for you tonight. If that's you, just raise your hand. Like these days, everybody does. I want you to stand. It's nothing to be ashamed about. Shame tries to hide that which God wants to heal. He can't deal with it unless we get it into the light. If you've been hurt, if you're harboring unforgiveness, bitterness, anger, rage, when I promise I'm, I'm not going to be the next guy to push you down. Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, we love you. We thank you that you're the comforter, you're the healer, you're the paraclete. Holy Spirit, we lift up these sons and daughters to you. God, we ask, would you bring healing? We ask that you would mend, that you would restore, that you would rejuvenate. God, we ask that you would light the fire again. Feel that in my spirit that you would light the fire again. Feel like I want to speak over some people and tell you, you are not an object. You are a human being. There has been way too many narcissistic leaders who treat people like objects. And when we do that, we dehumanize people and we use them for what we want. And I repent to you on behalf of leadership in the body of Christ for treating people like objects and throwing them away. I say that I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just speak over some men in here who feel like your wife loves the church more than you. God, I ask that you would heal the hearts of grieving husbands 
who feel like they've been given the back seat. I say that I'm sorry that the church has become an idol in your marriage. Lord, I pray that the gift of repentance would fall here tonight. We prayed for fire. Now we receive the purifying fire. Lord, I pray over hearts tonight who have given large amounts of money to the church and feel like there was never any accountability. Lord, I pray that you would heal those who have sacrificed. I pray for those who feel like all the preachers want is your money. I say that I'm sorry. I speak over every young person in here who feels like mom and dad care more about the revival service than you. I declare over your life that revival is coming to your home. I prophesy that hearts of your parents are going to turn back to you and your heart will turn back to them. I prophesy that the spirit and power of Elijah was always meant to burn at home before the church. Just here in my spirit, we are at the dawn of a new era in the earth. There is such a paradigm shift that is needed for where we're headed. Oh, new wineskins are coming. Acts 2, 42 through 47 will be manifested again. Hear the Lord saying, where are my pure ones? That can't be bought. That can't be sold who refuse to go to the highest bidder because my worth and my affirmation is found in Him. The Lord is calling forth the weepers. There's an anointing for weeping coming back to the body. The Lord says there's too much prophesying and not enough lamenting. Just going to be entire gatherings who begin to fall under the heart of God, the weight of His grief for a nation. Many tears and few words. Hear the Lord saying, I'm opening back the altars. Enough with all the clocks. Just hear the Lord saying, tick tock, tick tock. 
The only clock I'm concerned about is eternity's clock. Tick-tock, tick-tock. You're addicted to your phone. Lord, increase your glory in this place. I'm telling you, just get up underneath it. God is beginning to move in this place. Just feel the weight of His glory coming. Get up underneath His burden. And I'm just prophesying things out, but when something clicks or sticks, just get up under and say, Yes, Lord. And the glasses and the black shirt, will you step out? Yes, sir. Just stretch your hands out toward this brother. Father, we thank you for this pure, undefiled, misunderstood brother. And I just break off every attack. Command the spirit of witchcraft to come off of your life in the name of Jesus. Every generational curse is broken. It's sealed in the blood. Lord says you're destined to become a product of fathering. The Lord says even though there'll be great release, the Lord says you'll be a product of mentoring, fathering. Lord says they'll heal you of your wounds of persecution. The Lord's going to raise you up like a lightning rod. I'm not boxing you in, but I see an anointing on your life to the African-American race. There's an anointing in the LGBTQ community. You're going to carry a message of identity. I see you pounding the gates of hell. I just see a massive youth and young adult movement in this region. Whew. I see hundreds and thousands of youth and young adults all over Nashville crying out for new wineskins, crying out for something missional, crying out for something wild. More, Lord. More, Lord. Lord, do all that you want to do. Thank you, Lord. Will you stand? Yeah. Lord, I thank you. Nice shoes too. Those are awesome. Lord, I just thank you in Jesus' name that who the Son sets free is free indeed. I command every spirit of depression and tormenting thought to come off your mind. I just release clarity to your mind concerning your calling. 
There's been a spirit of confusion that's tried to wrap around your mind, tried to suffocate the prophetic anointing upon you. The Lord says, I have my handmaidens of faith reserved in this house for such a time as this. And I just declare that the spirit of Jezebel can no longer come in the vineyards and try to trample over the fruit in this house. The Lord says, I'm going to raise up powerhouse women out of this house. The Lord says, you're entering into a give back season. No more regret. What you gave away, the Lord says, I'll redeem. Every part of it. Every attack on your identity. Every word of accusation is falling to the ground. Come on, don't look at me. Look at the Lord. See? Thank you, Lord. All eyes on Jesus. We thank you, Lord. Lord, let the generations run together. Lord, we're asking that you would bridge the gaps between the ways that generations do things and say things. I even hear the Lord saying that there are some in this house with the gift of teaching. And we say that we welcome you. I say I agree with you. Too much prophecy. Not enough teaching of God's word. Lord, I ask in a generation where everyone wants to be an apostle and prophet. Lord, I ask that you would raise up teachers. I believe that there are men and women in this room called to teach the word of God. Line upon line. Precept upon precept. When someone is called to the teaching office, they just don't give information. There's grace on their life to inject a love for truth. Lord, give us anointed teachers in this hour who will create a hunger in your body to love the truth you feel your call to that, I want you to stand real quick. I feel them here. Come on, thank God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Lord, I'm, I'm going to pray crazy. Lord, I'm asking that you would resurrect Sunday school in America. Glory to God. Lord, I want to repent to the older saints in this nation who we kicked out of the church and told them we don't need Sunday school. We'll take donuts and coffee. Glory to God. Lord, I'm asking right now for those, come on, more people are standing. More, Lord, raise up the teachers. Father, I ask that you'd release curriculum 
Lord, I ask that you would release revelation. Lord, I'm asking that you would, I feel the Lord is even saying, I'm, if, if you'll hear me, I believe the Lord is saying, I'm going to create an ability to make or create wealth to the teaching gift. Lord, I pray that you would release an anointing for media. Lord, wherever the word needs to go forth, Lord, I'm asking for creative ways to teach your word. Lord, I pray for a boldness and a courage. Lord, I ask right now that a backbone would touch every person standing. Lord, we will stand upon your word, your word, and your word have we hidden in our hearts. Jesus' name. You can be seating. Bass Pro, will you stand? We're just flowing in the Holy Ghost. Stretch out our hands toward this brother. God, I thank you that you've anointed this brother with a broom in his hands. And I thank you that there's an anointing to help clean out your house and rid it of evil spirits. Lord says the attack has been strong on you because you've been called and anointed to get rid of the devil. I see you going into apartment complexes. I see you going into neighborhoods and homes. And the Lord says, you're going to be a demon exterminator. But there's more. I see you in Ubers. I see you in cars. I see the aroma of Christ literally just coming mightily upon you. Lord, I ask that you would increase the anointing from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet. I curse every nightmare in the name of Jesus. I command a spirit of insomnia to leave your life right now. Every tormenting thought, leave him now in Jesus' name. I command a spirit of unrest to lift off of you right now in Jesus' name. And I also see manipulation and control. Lord, I'm asking in Jesus' name, I don't know if it's coming through family, but there is a fight on your life for you to do what God has called you to do and wear no one else's armor. You are anointed ahead above the rest. And that's because the Lord has given you sight to see what others cannot see. You have a strong gift of discernment. The Lord says you will discern. The Lord says, I'm going to raise you up on several missions in your life to, to expose the counterfeit. You will know in your spirit whether someone is authentic or a fraud. And the Lord even says, you're an end time watchman. The Lord says, I've called you to sound the alarm in my body and protect the sheep from the wolves. And the Lord says, many of the wolves aren't in the, pop, in the pulpit, they're in the flock. I see you cutting off the plans of the enemy, even amongst the saints. So Lord, we bless our brother. Pour it out upon him tonight. 
I don't even know what I'm saying, but Lord, I'm asking that there would be a convening of the prophets in Tennessee. Lord, I don't know what happened in the past or where we're at, Lord, but I'm asking that whatever whatever is hindering prophetic unity in Tennessee, Lord says the problem is we're fighting over one vineyard and I've destined this state to recognize there are many vineyards. I see them from the east, the south, the west, to the north, vineyards all over Tennessee. Lord, I ask, would you restore prophetic unity in community? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. This family right here. <laughs> Bless you guys. Father, Lord, I thank you for revival in family. Thank you for revival in marriage. Lord, I curse every poverty spirit right now in Jesus' name off of your family. Like the Lord is telling me to give you $5,000, $1,000 for every single one of your kids. Don't worry, I'm good for it. Father, we're asking that you would take this seed and catapult them and launch them. I just see you in this whirlwind and that passage in Nahum is coming to me. Sometimes we try to pray the whirlwind away. And in this season, the Lord is saying, I am the God of the whirlwind. I'm right in the midst of the swirl. I'm closer than you think and you know. And I just come against every thought, every feeling of we're not called. Or it says, I have a flock even for you, but you're in a season of learning. They're right underneath your nose. They're under your roof. Lord, I command a spirit of sickness to come off your bloodline. I just command this attack on the babies. feel like I'm supposed to pray against I pray against food allergies every kind of allergy we curse it now in your bloodline we just speak over you 
you're a good father you're a good husband you're not a failure And there's a, there's a, I don't do this very often, but I, I feel like a breaker thing in here. And I know that people, they want it to be something else, but I, I feel like we're supposed to take up an offering for them. I feel like there are people here that can match me. I feel like there are people here that can sow. But I believe the Lord wants to take seed and break it open. And if he can do it for them, he can do it for you. Hope you understand I'm, I'm just tired of the I'll pray for you I'm, I'm tired of ministering feeling need and not sowing into it so we'll, let's get to that in just one one second just just a few more um, you were back here you don't hurt me but right here will you stand just don't put those big guns on me I'll all right, let's stretch our hands. Father, Lord, I thank you for the mantle of leadership resting on this brother. And I see the Lord just tattooing you with the book of Romans. You are more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. I see you going to the lonely I see you going to the fatherless and just wrapping them up in your arms. The Lord says, I've called you as a protector and a defender of the weak. The Lord says, you're going to deal with a bullying spirit in the earth today. This is going to be a big one. I prophesy to you that there's an invitation into a political arena. I hear the Lord saying, I'm inviting you into a greater space in your community. I don't know if you'll run for office or you'll be a part of a department, but there is a leadership mantle on you that's more than just a good husband, a good dad, and just go to work. There's something I see your hands extended into a community. And I just speak the confidence of God over you. In Jesus' name. Will you stand? Yeah. Let's stretch out our hands. Lord, I just thank you. I prophesy Hosea 2, 14 and 15 over you. I will captivate you. I will allure you in the wilderness. 
I will speak tenderly to you. I will sing over you. And I will restore you as in the days of your youth. Lord, we prophesy life into this wilderness and into this dark night of the soul. Lord, I pray for clarity in Jesus' name. I pray for a fresh anointing to break every yoke. I don't know if it's five or seven, but there are five or to seven friends that are going to rally around you and not let you fall to the wayside. The fight over your life right now is will you quit? Lord's going to raise up others around you who they won't let you quit. Answer the phone. Don't isolate. Come. Come. I speak to every lie, every voice in your life that discourages you away from gathering and being in God's presence. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Just stretch out your, your hands one more time. Father, thank you that all your promises are yes and amen. Or we might not be able to see or we just see in part. But Lord, whatever transition is coming our way, God, we say yes to the process. We say yes to your timing. We say yes to your perspective. Lord, we choose not to grumble nor complain. For the joy set before you, you endured the cross. And I pray for supernatural joy to accompany all those who say yes. In Jesus' name. I want to thank you for your time. Thank you, pastors, for having us. If you want to follow us from here, I lead a movement called the Altar Global. We are specifically committed to preparing the bride of Christ for the return of Jesus. It's a primary message I carry. The Lord Jesus encountered me in my bedroom in 2009 and marked me as an end time messenger. I do travel at times and bring prophetic words to churches and things, but we have a primary mandate for the, his return and the preparation of the bride. The movement is called The Altar Global. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and all of that. God bless you guys. Come on, we'll just stand to your feet and uh, we'll take up that offering. I, it's interesting because I, I sensed that in the spirit, knew that he was going that direction. Can I get the man, can, can, can you, at least you come and, and what we'll do is we'll take up this offering. But I do want to also, and he didn't ask for this, but I also want to give an offering to the man of God. I believe what he deposited in this house is what's going to cultivate revival. And thank you, Pastor. I know you don't want to be called a pastor, but that right there was a pastor's message. 
And um, thank you for your obedience, your family. And we speak blessings over you. I, I really appreciate you coming into this house and being used by God the way that you have. Anybody else feel the same way?